Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in. Welcome out of the weekend to our Monday program. Glad to have you with us. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. As always, a lot to get to coming out of the weekend. We're getting back into a big basketball week as far as recruiting goes. College coaches will be back out on the road Wednesday through Sunday of this week. And uh, the big viewing uh, opportunity this time is the Nike Peach Jam, which is one of the great basketball gatherings of uh, top-level players and teams in the Nike circuit in the country. And uh, it's one of the basketball things in the summer that I've never been to. I've been to most of the things out in Vegas back when that was big, some of the Midwestern tournaments some years ago that used to be the can't-miss stops for college coaches. But the Peach Jam down south in North Augusta, uh, I've never been to it. I've watched some of it to streaming online, or I think the championship games, some of them will be on the ESPN platform of networks, but never been to it in person. It's a great environment. And if you're in the gym, uh, you're going to see, well, I want to say Coach K. You're not going to see him this year, but in past years, you're going to see all of the high major coaches, all the big dogs in the landscape of college coaching. uh, They're side-by-side watching uh, some of these recruits over the next four or five days. In fact, uh, Peach Jam action began, I didn't realize it, it seems like it gets underway earlier and earlier. It began on Sunday, so yesterday a number of IU recruits are there. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But college coaches there Wednesday, and the action will really heat up heading into next weekend. So a big opportunity for uh, some summer basketball and some recruiting updates coming here over the next few days. Also, the MLB draft last night, I wanted to mention that at the very top of the program. There are three players with real local connections that are great possibilities for the draft. I'll take you through them. One is a player named Corbin Dickerson. He's a Jeffersonville native, but he played his high school baseball at Trinity, and he is projected to go today or tomorrow in the draft, uh, as is Tucker Bibbon. I think Bibbon and Dickerson both uh, at U of L next season if they remain in college baseball. Bivin obviously from New Albany. I think the question with Tucker Bivin will be uh, when he gets the call that a team wants to pick him. I, I feel like that's going to happen. Uh, is the number the signing bonus that the magical financial figure uh, great enough for him to uh, skip out on the college experience? He seems very intrigued and very interesting, uh, interested in uh, playing college baseball at least for a number of years. Keep in mind in college baseball. Well, you can't just get drafted coming out of each year. If he uh, goes on to Louisville, he'll be there for a handful of seasons. So, uh, But Bivin.
Hammond would be a possibility as well, a real possibility for the draft here over the next day or so. And I think a player very likely that gets drafted and moves on is going to be Timmy Borden of Providence, who finished up, uh, basically finished up his college career down at Georgia Tech this season. He's got another season of eligibility left, but expect for him uh, to get drafted at some point during the next few days and uh, see what path he can uh, take, possibly to getting an opportunity to pay, play Major League Baseball. So three locals, three with connections, uh, really deep connections here to our area. Uh, uh, on the block, and uh, very possible possible that they could be drafted here uh, over the next uh, day or two. So that is always interesting, amazing. We've had some guys get drafted recently. Some are in the minor league circuit still and doing well. Others like Josh Rogers and Drew Ellis, they have made it to the majors. Uh, trying to get back to the majors are both of those guys and find uh, permanent homes there. Uh, but always a lot of talent in this area and always need to see it pay off for somebody with local connections and Dicker and Biven and Borden, uh, they are the names to pay attention to here over the next 24 or 48 hours. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany, segment one. We've got our news and notes and headlines of the day here for this July 18th. Hard to believe we are already into the back half of the month of July, and the summer is just rolling and rolling along. Later in the show, Zach Osterman is with us on Mondays. When Zach joins, we talk the very latest with IU basketball and football, and we'll do that a bit today when he's with us in segment two. And then we always have local sports some of the highlights of the area and gearing up for the next football season and talking about coaching changes and so much more this time of year. And that's with Chad Gilbert. Chad is the athletic director at Charlestown High School, former basketball coach in the area. He's currently on the IHSA executive board representing our area. So a lot to always get to with Chad when he's with us. And that is our lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. The Thornton's text line is open. That number, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Send in your questions and comments and thoughts. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. I'll, uh, as long as they're reasonable, I'll work them all into the program uh, somehow each day. 502-414-1450, that number. And at Thornton's, it's Summer Cash Bash, so one lucky Refreshing Rewards member will win $10,000 all summer with a grand prize of a 2022 Chevy Tahoe. Simply open your Refreshing Rewards app and click on the Summer Cash Bash icon to enter. And that's not all. You can earn additional entries to this contest by purchasing select top brands like Mountain Dew 20-ounce bottles, hot dogs, Bud Light 12-packs, large Doritos, and much more using your Refreshing Rewards card. If you're not a Refreshing Rewards member, no problem. Send the word rewards to the number 80313. That's rewards to 80313 today. Let's look at some headlines here in this Monday program. I mentioned the Peach Jam getting underway yesterday. Uh, in fact, games began at 11 o'clock on Sunday and rolled through much of the day yesterday. That'll be the very similar the case for today as well. College coaches not allowed in the gym until Wednesday, but if you're looking at some of the reports and wanting to watch some of the games online and wondering what IU prospects are there, in the 2023 class, that's guys that will be seniors next high school basketball season, Arrington Page and Deshaun Harris-Smith, 
they are probably the two biggest names that IU, I think, best has a chance to land and seems to really <clears throat> be in with at this point of the recruiting process. Both of those guys uh, playing in the Peach Jam. Now, Paige Arrington Page, who's got an official visit set to Indiana, we'll talk about that here in just a moment. He did tweak his knee and may not get a ton of playing time this week, but he's definitely going to be in attendance and possibly play some. And then a number of 2024 prospects at the Peach Jam. Uh, also, you know, TJ Power in the 2023 classes there. His recruitment has blown up. Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, UCLA. It seemed like every day last week he added a, another huge scholarship offer. So it kind of will, I think, this week with some interviews and people like Jeff Rabjohns and other IU guys there at the Peach Jam will probably figure out if Power still intends to visit Indiana, which he had mentioned even as recently as last weekend or a couple weekends ago now that he uh, did plan to be there, so uh, did plan to visit. So we'll see uh, maybe if we get an update on him this week. Cohen Carr, another 2023 name at the Peach Jam. Again, a ton of names in the 2024 class that Indiana is flirting with and has offered. And then in the 2025 class, uh, Jalen Harrelson and Trent Sisley, they'll be playing uh, down at the Peach Jam later in the week. And there's a player named Trey McKinney in that class as well. That's team is getting underway today that will be at the Peach Jam also. So uh, definitely plenty of IU targets, and you can bet that Mike Woodson and the coaching staff uh, for this second window in July, beginning on Wednesday, this will be the major stop of them for this period. I'm sure they might be somewhere else following Xavier Booker and uh, possibly others. There are some other big events uh, in this window as well, but the Peach Jam is where I think you can expect Indiana to have a lot of presence uh, for many of the days, if not all the days uh, that college coaches are allowed to be in attendance. Also, I saw a uh, ranking of the top 20 front courts in college basketball ahead of the 22-23 season. And when you see a headline like that, you just got to click it because, you know, with Trace and Race and so many others back for Indiana, uh, that uh, you, you know Indiana is going to be on the list. It's just a matter of how high. Indiana, according to this uh, 247 report, have the fourth best backcourt heading into the season. The little capsule with their rankings says, quote, the Hoosiers have one of the deepest front courts in the country. Trace Jackson Davis is the headliner. He's fantastic defensively, and he's scored a whopping 1.5 points per possession on pick and rolls, which rated in the 98th percentile per synergy. When you factor in trusty veteran Race Thompson, bouncy riser, I like that, Jordan Geronimo, and top 40 freshman Malik Renault, it's very clear that Indiana is jam-packed with talent. Indiana's front court does all the non-sexy stuff very well, too. They're all very tough and embrace playing defense and rebounding. Kentucky, uh, let me say that North Carolina was number one as far as uh, top front courts, according to this article. Kentucky 2, Gonzaga 3, Michigan right behind the Hoosiers at number five. Purdue was eight. That's no surprise. Purdue always uh, with no shortage of uh, big guys and interior presences every year, uh, number eight. And that was kind of the uh, wrap on the Big Ten there in that uh, listing of top front courts 
uh, for the upcoming season. Also, back to recruiting for a moment. A couple players are going to take official visits uh, to Indiana, now have them scheduled for later this month. Arrington Page, who we just mentioned, and Deshaun Harris-Smith, both uh, are at the Peach Jam right now, as discussed. They are going to come in uh, for visits later in the month. Page from Georgia uh, is coming uh, later in this month. I don't know that specific dates have been set, and Harris, who is from Virginia, uh, most recently got a scholarship offer from the uh, Hoosiers. He received his offer last weekend. Um, both of those guys are going to be there late July. I, I don't see specific dates. And uh, Jamie Kaiser has long had a visit scheduled uh, for the Bloomington campus in late July as well. So when the recruiting live periods wrap up for the coaches, uh, yeah, they'll get back to campus and tend to the current team uh, for next season, but they're going to have a lot of work to do. And Jordan Hall, specifically, the director of recruiting and uh, things associated with that, they're going to be very busy coordinating and setting up these visits. And so July, always a busy time in the world of recruiting, and that's not going to slow down uh, even when the coaches return home later this month. Wanted to pass along a non-basketball note. Uh, legendary IU diving coach Hobie Billingsley. He passed away over the weekend. It was announced by Indiana Athletics at the age of 94 years old. He had an unbelievable career at Indiana and around the sport of diving. From uh, he was first off, he was the coach at Indiana from 1959 to 1989. That is just an unbelievable chunk of his life and period of time for someone to lead one college diving program. But he won six NCAA championships in his time at Indiana. He won 23 Big Ten team championships in that time as well. And if you combine all the individuals that he coached in his time at Indiana, 115 national titles, individual national titles won 22 Big Ten championships won, and six Olympic medals won by players that he coached and led uh, at IU. He also had a great stretch with Team USA diving. He coached the team in 1968, 1972, 1976, and again in 1980, and he returned to the games in 92 and 96 as a diving judge, but uh, was a big part of the Team USA operation for many, many years. And if you've ever been to the swimming facility at Indiana, Indiana. It's named Councilman Billingsley Aquatic Center. So that tells you the cornerstone he was in diving uh, at the, the IU program. So you know, our thoughts and prayers to his family. But a name we probably, I'm not sure that I've ever mentioned him before, but he clearly is one of the all-time great leaders in IU athletics and that diving program. Of course, IU solid in the Olympic sports, especially swimming and diving. Uh, he, uh, Coach Billingsley, obviously a huge part of that success uh, over the years. One other note on conference realignment. I, I always get asked, and people want to talk about it, you know, what does the future of the Big Ten like look like, or maybe we should call it the Super Big Ten, and do you think it's going to be a two- or three-horse conference race to super conference status, and what's going to happen with Notre Dame? That seems to have slowed. There are some people that initially thought when the movement started with UCLA and USC to the Big Ten that there would be some rapid-fire movement over the next couple months and getting all this shaped up and that Notre Dame was on the clock for some sort of imminent decision. And I think now most seem to think that it could take a little bit of time and Notre Dame has the ability to let this thing play out for maybe a couple more years, a couple more seasons of college football before maybe they all 
ultimately select a conference and see where the landscape is at at that time. But I, I have read a couple pieces recently from some national college football guys that have done an outstanding job tracking all this as far as movement and potential movement with conference action. And Dennis Dodd at CBS Sports is one of those guys. He had a story that it makes you wonder, is it makes sense if geography really doesn't matter in some of these conferences anymore, if the schools are ready to ante up with flights and travel across country and figure out how to make it work and expand and get some other members as they move to the West or the East Coast or wherever it may be, for these bigger conferences, uh, why not see the ACC and the Big 12 just fold in together and see if that helps them retain some of the key members still with them and uh, solidify others to think about U of L and the conference situation that they find them or could find themselves in uh, if the ACC were to get plucked over by the Big 12 or by others. But if maybe they roll together, is that not the best scenario for? I don't know that it would be a super conference on the level of where things are headed with the Big Ten and the SEC, especially if one of those guys adds Notre Dame and perhaps a couple other really big names from the West Coast. But it uh, could be interesting to see. And perhaps uh, when you stop and think about it, a combo ACC-Big 12 uh, conference does make a lot of sense. So maybe that will shake out, but I think the conference stuff is going to continue to be kind of a sidebar story even when we get into the upcoming seasons of football and basketball as well. That's a look at our headlines for this Monday edition of the program. We'll head to a commercial break, come back with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. Lots to get to with Zach on IU Hoops and recruiting. We'll do so next here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back on this Monday program. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star always with us in this segment to help, I always say, kickstart the week from an IU perspective. And, Zach, I want to start with a couple questions for you uh, that I both uh, mentioned both of these topics in our first segment today. But uh, Coach Billingsley of IU Diving, a guy that probably we gave not as near as much attention or mention on this show over the years as, as what we should, but uh, his he passed over the weekend at 94 years old. And just reading the release from the school, all the championships, all the success he was a part of with uh, IU Diving and, of course, with Team USA as well, just a very notable figure. And if you look all-time across all sports at IU, uh, he's right there at the top as one of the legendary coaches IU Athletics has ever had. He is, and, and I won't profess to understand every sort of – inch of it but really Hobie Billingsley and Doc Councilman revolutionized the way swimming and diving was coached in, in the 60s and 70s I mean it, it, it we're not talking about like sort of good coaches in the sense of they you know they could recruit good athletes and they developed them well I mean they they changed some of the fundamentals uh, of sort of the way people saw the way people sort of viewed basically coaching those sports or that sport, if you want to put those two together. 
Um, and obviously the success is, is there to see. We can go back. You talk about all the championships. We can also go back and look at all the swimmers, all the Olympic medals. Of course, you know, Mark Spitz, I think, is the, the name that, that gets mentioned most often. But it's obviously not just Spitz. There are, um, there, there are you know, myriad All-Americans, Olympic qualifiers, et cetera, from that time period. Um, and, you know, up until very late in his life, uh, Hobie Billingsley was, was really remained a, a quiet fixture around the program. I mean, I don't think it was something where anybody, you know, he wanted it publicized too much. I, I suspect as much as anything, just cause he didn't want to seem like a, a sort of an overbearing presence or anything like that. But, um, you know, he would still attend meets and, and things like that. He was still, he was still around, um, and he, and he was still obviously very welcome and, you know, he was in some ways one of the last connections, Bob Knight being another one, Jerry Yeagley being another one to a time when uh, in IU athletics history, if you, if you look back, you know, there there was a period in time when, you know, your, your all coaches meetings in Indiana would have included, you know, Sam Bell, who was a similarly revolutionary track and field coach. Um, obviously, Bob Knight, obviously, Jerry Yeagley also, you know, Again, Hobie Billingsley, Doc Councilman. I mean, it was a it was a remarkable period in time, frankly, um, for IU athletics. If you just kind of look back, Lynn Loring, um, who retired just a few years ago, is the all-time winningest coach in, in NCAA Division One uh, women's tennis history. Uh, you know, Hobie Billingsley was was very much kind of in that company as as not just a great coach at Indiana, but a a great coach in his sport. Period. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star, with us, and uh, some good words there on Coach Billingsley, and of course our thoughts and prayers to his family uh, as he passed away over the weekend. Getting into basketball, uh, I'm curious, we always talk a lot about recruiting and scholarship offers and visits and tracking where the IU coaches are at on the road. July is a big month for all of that, and the Nike Peach Jam is one of the elite tournaments of the summer. It's one of the few places in in grassroots or prep basketball uh, that I've not been uh, in person. And so before we talk about some of the players and that environment and and so forth, you're from down that way. Have you ever been to the Nike Peach Jam for enjoyment and or covering uh, recruits in your time with the Star or other, other stops along the way? I've, I never have. To be honest with you, I've never been to Augusta National either. That is kind of the one big hole in my uh, my Georgia residency. I've never been. I've been through Augusta, obviously, but I've never been to the Masters or the course or or anything like that, and I've never been to the Peach Jam. There was for a while a sort of sidecar high school competition that I think we called like the Peach State Classic that, I, if I'm remembering rightly, was also run by Nike. It was sort of like the, uh, the Hall of Fame Classic here in in Indiana, you know, annually would always pick, I think like four of the best teams in the state and and play kind of a a four team, you know, mini tournament, uh, in December. And I I think it was, if my memory serves, and this was like kind of when I was in high school, I think it was sort of tied to peach jam. It was, you know, kind of had the same, the same forefathers, if you want to say. Um, but it was obviously never as, as prominent as, the grassroots event. I mean, I think I saw Jonathan Gavoni from Dra- who is uh, to people who may not know is, is draft express on Twitter um, as, you know, works as hard as, as invested in, in prospects or scouting and everything as anybody out there in basketball. Uh, I think he said, it was probably yesterday. I saw him tweet that 
Peach Jam is as good of a as good of a location in terms of scouting just just quantity of sort of future professional basketball talent um, as any event you know presumably kind of outside stuff like the combine that there is annually that it's just you know there's there's so much talent there every year that it's 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 up there with basically any any single event you could attend in terms of scouting guys that are going to be future college stars and obviously future pro stars as well. Zach Osterman, the Indy Star, my guest. Uh, the IU coaches, no question, will be uh, have he- heavy presence at the Peach Jam later this week. There's a number of 2023 guys and a ton of young young prospects as well that IU will be watching. As we look back at where the coaches have been so far this month and uh, kind of track what players have done, is there a prospect or two that has stood out to you as far as their performance or maybe someone that Indiana seems to be in a good position with that's had a good month specifically? I don't know about having kind of, you know, one good month. I think one guy that, that keeps coming up is, is Jamie, uh, is Jamie Kaiser. Um, the, uh, is he, he's from Virginia, if I'm not mistaken. And I think there are some people that, that believe he's already kind of strongly a Maryland lean, but it seems like that's not, backing Indiana off of, of trying to sort of, you know, figure out what's there. And I think there have been some strong suggestions. He's going to try and visit uh, Bloomington. But again, you know, there's maybe a little bit, at least a little bit of a feeling that, um, that Maryland's kind of in the driver's seat there. I think the, the other one, and it's not necessarily specific to Peach Jam, it's just the, the general question, because again, I think, I've said this a couple of times when we've talked about this. I think people kind of forget because they have been in the fold for a little while that Indiana already has two commits in 2023, um, obviously in, in Ja'Kai Newton and Gabe Cups. Um, the other one is, is going to be as, as long as he's out there and available and, and Indiana is involved is obviously Xavier Booker. And I think for all the attendant reasons, for all the reasons that we can you know, sort of suspect together, Indiana fans are always going to kind of want to know what's going on there. Um, but I think that, again, the, the other thing that, that I come back to a lot in 23 and sometimes I have to remind myself in 23 is I'm sort of trying to process, okay, there's a, you know, there's a new offer out or there's this or there's that is Indiana's already got two, what, four star prospects, two pretty good looking players, um, in the fold in 2023 guys that I think are, are, you know, medium to long-term pieces for Indiana's backcourt and guys that I think are going to be you know, pretty consistent contributors fairly quickly in Bloomington in Cape Cups and Ja'Kai Newton. So it does allow you to be, if you're Indiana, a little bit more selective about, you know, obviously who you're watching this month, but then who you're going to start trying to line up visits for in the next couple months and, and, you know, who you really want to sort of prioritize as you get deeper into, uh, as you get deeper into the fall. Zach, I mentioned earlier in the show that IU has one of the top front courts coming back or coming in to the school in college basketball this season. There was a 247 sports listing of the the top front courts, their opinion, and IU was in the top five, and I don't think there's a big surprise about that. We also had a chance to hear from Malik Renault, a newcomer uh, that could be a big part of this IU front court. My question is, do we think Renault gets ample time or an opportunity this season with Trace and Race and Geronimo uh, right there ready to take up a whole bunch of minutes in this good front court we expect to see? 
I think he will, personally. And, and I think what's, what's kind of been interesting to me is to hear more of, of the sort of reaction to some of his teammates. I think it was Ray Thompson who kind of recently sort of suggested, like, you know, hey, Malik is, like, physically, he's not sort of overawed by, by this level. He can hold his own physically. Now, you, you imagine maybe not in the way that someone like Trace Jackson Davis can, but the, the point being that a guy like Race Thompson, who will know what that transition is like in terms of physical demands, can look at Malik Renault and say, hey, he's, he's doing fine at this level. He's doing okay here. Um, this, this has not been a, a, a culture shock for him, so to speak. I think some of this is, is probably going to come down to how you use Jordan Geronimo, because I think that his last season wore on, you could see that there was going to be uh, a greater sort of, I don't know what the word would be, that, that, that Geronimo was getting better. He maybe was still kind of, you know, sort of pocketed in terms of, you know, how much you could use him and, and how often and things like that. But you felt like another offseason was going to make him a really, really good player. If we see more of him at the three, which is something that Mike Woodson has really raised the possibility of, then I think we could be talking about seeing quite a bit of Malik Renault somewhere between the four and the five. If it's more of Jordan Geronimo at the four, then that probably eats a little bit more into Malik Renault's minutes. But I don't think, uh, I don't think in either case you're going to see him really sort of pigeonholed or, or kind of blocked. I think we will see a, a decent bit of Malik Renault this season. Want to get into some football topics with you as well? Uh, yeah, there have been some some concern or mention, and you guys wrote about it. I think it was you. I, I pulled the article up this morning and started the, right before the show began. Um, IU in the twenty twenty three class, the recruiting is a bit slow, and I know that obviously subscribers can read the full piece. But can you touch on your story and uh, maybe preview that a bit for why IU football recruiting has been a little slower this off season? Yeah, so um, th- this was actually something that I was discussing with, with my editor last week and, and with Dustin, and, and we just felt like we probably should address it somehow. I think, first of all, Indiana's got six commitments in its 2023 class. I think it's the only school in the, the Big Ten that doesn't have double-digit commitments right now. And, uh, you know, just undeniably, frankly, Indiana's recruiting is not tracking where it was a season ago. Obviously, last year was, you know, according to the recruiting rankings sort of era, or excuse me, within the recruiting rankings era, it was Indiana's highest rated ever class. And and it was obviously, it came with a lot of fanfare. And and I think we can expect to see not a lot of those guys, but at least a few of those guys pretty quickly here in the fall. Um, It is not tracking at that level in terms of the, the, caliber of prospect Indiana's pulling in. And I don't think it's unfair to suggest or assume that that is at least in part because of how last season went, Uh, you know, that that ultimately you're just not going to have the same recruiting momentum after two and 10 that you had after, you know, eight and five followed by six and two. Having said that, There is also an element to this, especially if you're looking just purely on a rankings basis, that is determined essentially by the fact that Indiana's not going to take a very big class in 2023. They've got 
right now 17 guys listed on their roster, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me. I did the research last week, and I, I misplaced my notepad. Forgive me. But if I'm remembering the numbers correctly, they got 17 guys on roster that are listed as seniors or better. So fourth-year senior, fifth-year senior, or a player who is using their COVID year, their, their COVID-allowed sixth year. Um, four of those 17 are guys that will not have any eligibility remaining after this season. They're using the COVID year. There's, there's nothing left for them. Five more are redshirt seniors. Again, if I'm remembering my numbers rightly, five more are redshirt seniors who will still technically have the year if they want it. And then the rest are fourth year seniors. That is obviously a very small number. That, that is, that is not a large number in terms of, you know, sort of outgoing players. And it's a particularly small number when you consider that there are probably a number of guys on that list. And, you know, I don't know if we make good radio to go through every single one of them, but there are probably a number of guys on that list that Indiana would not mind having back for, a, a, a you know, an extra season, whether it's a, a redshirt senior year or it's a COVID year or whatever. And when you consider that, plus the fact that Indiana is the sort of school that's always going to have, I think, a certain, a certain sort of guaranteed interest in the portal and in, in exploring options in terms of bringing in guys that have, you know, sort of college experience already on their resume. I would not expect this class at the high school level to get bigger than maybe about 15, maybe 16. It's, it's going to be a small class. Now, that can always change if you have um, – you know, if you have unexpected attrition and there can be guys, obviously, like, for example, one of those fourth-year seniors is Taiwan Mullen. Well, I think we can all suspect that, you know, Taiwan Mullen may have NFL opportunities to explore after this year, et cetera. But the reality is right now, as you're projecting that class, if you're Tom Allen and his staff, there is just not a lot that you can count on basically not being – it's not – there's not a ton of room on the roster. Whereas a year ago, you knew you had a lot of guys who had come back for an extra year, your Ty Freifogels and your Peyton Hendershots and people like that. And you also knew that you probably had a higher than average number of players that, you know, at the risk of sounding a little bit crass, you were probably going to be looking at after the season and saying, you know, you've been here four years, you've been here five years. If you'd like to take your COVID year, you're welcome to, but we feel we've sort of, fulfilled our our obligation to you a number of players that indiana probably was going to have to look at and say we're sorry but you know we we, we we're just not going to have room on roster for you to take like a sixth year of college that's where you get such a big number in terms of you know indiana brought in close to three dozen new players between freshmen and transfers last cycle it's not going to be anything like that this year so those are the, the recruiting rankings are going to be weighted according to that as well. And forgive me, that's kind of a long spiel, but th the point is, it's there's a lot that kind of goes into it. Some of it is down to what happened last season. Some of it is down to kind of Indiana's perception after the performance of 2021. But some of it also is just the circumstances around which the the program is kind of working right now.
Very interesting. Also, another football note. I did mention this last week, but I wanted you to expand on it a little bit. Uh, Donovan McCauley, uh, who came into IU with a lot of promise, really is a quarterback, uh, is going to be a wide receiver now. It's been confirmed uh, given the roster update and the fact he was at Coach Allen's house last week with a wide receiver uh, gathering at the swimming pool. But uh, a new position for a guy that's got a lot of talent for IU football. Yeah, this is this was kind of one of those worst kept secrets. I, I think it was something we heard about first back in the spring. Uh, it kind of made its way around Indianapolis a little bit before it, it really became, I think, something that people were, you know, imminently aware of down here, so to speak. Um, we got to talk to Tom Allen in, I guess it was early May, and we asked him about it then, and you know, essentially, in this, you know, it. it, it at that time, he kind of wasn't necessarily prepared to talk about it on the record. Again, I think you and I have had this discussion in a couple of different ways that a lot of what, you know, th- this was an uncommon year for Indiana in terms of spring practice access and the lack thereof. And I think a lot of it was about wanting to essentially um, sort of just limit what people could feel like they knew about this team and this, this offense and everything with everything that's changed. Um, McCauley was definitely a piece of that. I wouldn't say he's the only reason, obviously that they limited in the spring, but basically what Tom Allen told us comfortable talking about it was um, sort of recognized that with Jack Tuttle, with Connor Basilak in the, in the, uh, the the quarterback competition, you know, McCulley might not get on the field as a QB, but he wanted to get on the field. And Tom Allen's response was sort of like, you're one of our, probably one of our four or five best, just pure football players, not just talking about as, as a quarterback, but just in general, you are one of the best players on our roster. And we want to get you on the field. If there's a way to do that, that fits everybody. Um, we, you know, we should explore it. And Bacali's idea was basically just, I want to try playing wide receiver, which I think he played a little bit when he was younger, like seventh, eighth grade, that kind of thing. So Indiana tried him there. And, um, you know, basically Tom Allen thinks he could be really, really good. He thinks he could be one of the best players on the team and, and certainly an impactful wide receiver right away. And I know <clears throat> a lot of fans probably see that as, as are a little bit skeptical of that. And I get that. And, you know, only time will tell whether Tom Allen's right. Um, it is a fairly well-worn path, to be fair, from quarterback to receiver. I think, you know, somebody who has wide receiver experience, or excuse me, quarterback experience, I think in, in some ways that transition can be easier because you can conceptualize a lot of what you're trying to do as a wide receiver through the eyes of a quarterback. You understand things better and, and you know, sort of more fully. Um I think the other thing I'd say, too, and it's not like it happens a ton, but it's not like you can't reverse that flow at some point. I, I think the, the big example would be Ryan Tannehill, who um, was a wide receiver for a time at Texas A&M, then moved to quarterback and obviously has gone on to have a, a, a pretty solid professional career. Again, I'm not suggesting Donovan McCulley is Ryan Tannehill, but I'm I'm also I would also be wary of just sort of thinking, well, this is the last of Donovan McCulley at quarterback either. But if he goes there and is as good as Tom Allen clearly believes he can be, then uh, I think we'll probably see him 
stick around there, frankly, because Tom Allen has has very high hopes for him, to be honest. For sure. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. You can read his work at IndyStar.com slash sports, and you can hear Zach Mondays on our program talking IU basketball, football, and more. Zach, as always, thank you. Great way to start the week. We'll talk next week. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always. All right, we'll head to a commercial break, come back with our final segment on this Monday program. Chad Gilbert, Charlestown Athletic Director, former coach in the area, IHSA Executive Board member representing our area on local sports. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, I- Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back with Chad Gilbert to talk local sports here on this Monday program. Chad's the AD at Charlestown, IHSA executive board member, and with us Mondays to run through a lot of local sports topics. Chad, to start, it's hard to believe school, for most, begins next week. Matt, can you believe how quick things have gone this year? It just seems like we've we've come full circle to where we were last year talking about these topics. Um, We have teachers report to school on this Friday. Kids come next Wednesday. And which, as an athletic director, this is the craziest time of the year, Matt. But what it does is it enables kids to get in, make sure that they don't have that they have their transfers taken care of, their physicals taken care of, all their eligibility questions taken care of. So it does give you a little bit of time. Whereas before we go back, you know, August eighteenth or wherever else you're playing that scrimmage that Friday, you get back, so you're hustling, trying to make contact with people. This way, people, kids are in the building, you can roll with it. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's 185 days, no matter how you cut it, where the kids are in school, and uh, we'll do the best of it we can, and they keep moving forward. Yeah, hard to believe another school year and another high school sports season just in front of us for, for most schools here over the next week, week and a half or so. Chad, I, I wanted to bring this up with you. We, we covered it a lot on Friday and boy, Indiana fans hate to hear about somebody going to Purdue. I was reminded of that. But you know Jack Benner of Brownstown. You're very close with his father, Dave, who is a great high school basketball coach and has been at Brownstown with all sorts of success now for many years. But Jack is a special player. And it was you, uh, when his commitment was announced, I think on Thursday of, of last week, that said, you know, if things hold true with Trey Kaufman Wren and Jack Benner, uh, there'll be two Mid-Southern Conference players uh, at Purdue at the same time. Their paths will briefly overlap with uh, with one another. Uh, that is amazing for uh, a small conference in Southern Indiana basketball. Well, it, it, it is amazing, but I think it shows how the Mid-Southern Conference has grown. And you, you, you think about this situation with these two guys. I mean, these are outstanding players, both of them Mr. Basketball candidates. You know, uh, Trey was runner-up, correct? Yeah. And then, you know, you would think Benner is going to come down to him and maybe the guy from Kokomo, possibly. Who knows how that one's going to play out. But I would think he's put himself by committing to Purdue right there in the Catbird season, the favorite to get Mr. Basketball. Now, he's only a junior. 
And that's that's what's amazing. I mean, you think about Jack's statistics. He averaged 27 as a sophomore, Matt, which is unbelievable. You will see those guys playing more team, more Hoosier Hills Conference teams, more teams uh, in Indianapolis just for that notoriety, just because people want to see a Purdue recruit play. And Jack will not disappoint. You know, I mean, he's going to have an outstanding career, just like Trey Kaufman Wren will have an outstanding career. I think those guys are going to be something very special. You think about that just a little bit, Matt. You may be too young for this, and this was I, this was in our day, and you you were just coming up with that one. I can remember one time thinking, man, the Hoosier Hills Conference had three guys on IU, whether when it was Wilkerson, Pat Graham, and Dama Bailey. Think about those types of deals, you know, when that stuff was going on. And I think that would have maybe been Wilkerson's freshman year, possibly that you had those three Hoosier, Hoosier Hills guys on one team. It just shows you how good basketball is in southern Indiana. Yeah, I, I think the Benner commitment to Purdue is interesting. You know, he did not have – uh, he did not have a scholarship offer from Indiana. A lot of Indiana fans have, have said, hey, you know, did Indiana offer this guy? What was the deal here? And the other offers he had were good opportunities. They were mid-major opportunities. I know he had some other schools that were following him this month as well. But Purdue and Matt Painter really seemed to lock in on him and make it clear he was a key target and by far his biggest scholarship offer. And I think uh, he, he saw that and, and pulled the trigger and locked himself in. Well, Matt, let's let's say one thing here. Yeah, I know it's an IU show here, but who wouldn't want to play for Matt Painter? I mean, you want to talk about a guy who's a straight shooter, uh, doesn't tell you what you need to hear, tells you what you uh, need to hear. He uh, he's a guy that is going to be honest with you. He's not going to pull any punches, uh, and he's going to a guy who runs great sets and gets the absolute most out of his players. So you know, I think he'll be a Jack will be a great fit up there. Like we said, it is. I'm sure that the Benners would rather have driven. Well, I, I can't speak for them, but I use 45 minutes away from Brownstown or however long it is, and for them not to give an offer, you know, it, it does make you scratch your head a little bit. But you know, it's one of those deals. Those guys, IU guys, they're not they're not dumb. They know what they need at IU. They're gonna they're gonna be great as well. And it's I just think it's a whole lot of excitement for Indiana when Indiana colleges get Indiana kids. Chad, to close out today, you kind of give us some good insight as an athletic director uh, for our beloved high school sports here locally. And we mentioned a new school year coming up. We mentioned that high school football, those scrimmages, and then followed by regular season games just around the corner. But I got to believe that getting back into school and getting fall sports and all your schedules fine-tuned, it's got to be a stressful time to lead an athletic department. Oh, no question, this is the craziest time of the year, Matt. And it's someone like you who runs leagues, who uh, does the behind-the-scenes work for a lot of stuff in certain Indiana that people don't know about. You know how it is. It's the lead-up going in is where all the work's done. Once the event starts, the hay's in the barn. It's time, All you do is play it in. But it's the lead-up time. And this is the lead-up time, not just for fall sports, which is the busiest time of the athletic year, but it leads into all the sports, fall, winter, and spring. So it is it is a definitely busy time of the year, but it's a time of year, you know, that you really got to hunker down, bear down, get everything going, get everybody off to the right start. All right, Chad Gilbert, he's with us Mondays as we talk local sports and more here in the area. Chad, the TBT is underway. I'm curious, did you get a chance to see any of it over the weekend? I'm going to have John Mugar, the founder, on hopefully later in the week. But uh, interesting stuff, Rucker Park outside. Man, I did, I did not see any of it. I want to watch it. Miss Amy and the kids and I went and watched Top Gun. Eh, a little overrated. A <laughs> little overrated. But you need to come over, Matt, as we wind it down, and let's watch some TBT. 
Let's do it. Let's do it. Chad Gilbert, always a great way to begin the uh, show on Mondays. Chad, thanks. We'll talk with you next week. Appreciate the run, Matt, and thanks for everything you do for Sunday Neo Sports. Thank you, Chad Gilbert, our guest on Mondays. Of course, Chad brings good insight, not only an AD now, but former coach in the area and uh, you know, state championship at Jeffersonville with the girls, and he had all sorts of success with the boys as well. And uh, a good voice for us on Mondays. That'll wrap up this Monday program. Don't forget, if you missed the live show, you can always find us as a podcast. All you got to do is search for The Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll find us there. Back with you Tuesday. Big show for you then. Uh, a lot of recruiting stuff and more coming up this week. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.